good morning, afternoon, or evening. Please delete as appropriate. Hello there. Welcome to this episode number 244 of the Material Podcast. I am your one and only host this week, Andy Anatko. Florence Ion is still on maternity leave. She will probably be back sooner than you think because, again, it's these days you can take a look at people's social media and see – uh, how engaged they are in the outside world. So they're, they're adorable baby pictures in her social media, but also like lots of things that she really, really wants to say. So I can kind of, I can kind of tell she's itching to like get back to her regular schedule of writing and her regular schedule of podcasting. Uh, I, I know what the, I know what, that, what that's like when uh, I get a couple of weeks off of uh, doing radio here in Boston. It's like, I've got so many topics that I've been saving up. And uh, uh, <laughs> I was off for a couple of weeks because of the, uh, because of the impeachment hearings. And like, by the time I came back, I'm like, okay, uh, I'm going to need 90 minutes of airtime because there are at least 19 topics that are so good that I've been saying, yeah, yeah, whatever. So, uh, <laughs> so she'll be back in some, some capacity before you know it until then we are, we are having an intimate sort of affair today. Uh, if, so, and we'll, we'll, we'll make it really, really lovely. Now, first of all, I, I have to apologize for how late last week's episode was. It was the first, uh, solo episode. I did after uh, Flo uh, started her maternity leave, and uh, it's absolutely no one's fault by but my own. Of course, I would love I would love to be able to say, "Oh darn, that Slack app! We couldn't get a, a stable connection." Well, no, again, this is just me recording into a microphone. So, yeah, see what? But I hope this can be a, an illustrative event for people. The the. Uh, I love deadlines. Deadlines are so useful, especially uh, when you're in my job and you have so many of them. Because uh, if you have if you have a certain type of personality, you uh, if if you find out if you finish a project and then you find out that uh, you get an email from uh, unexpectedly from your editor or whatever saying that hey by the way I'm take I'm leaving for my vacation early uh, so uh, you can you can actually if you can take another week if you want. It was finished, and you're you're planning to just send it in the morning uh, because you finished it like late late the, the night before. You want to make sure that you weren't like drunk on sleep deprivation, and that didn't affect uh, how you wrote the thing. But you're still like, wow, I've got another week, so now I can keep working on it and keep improving it. And this isn't this isn't necessarily a good thing. Um, if uh, if if I were paying a biographer to uh, make me look good. Because I plan to run for office like next year, and I, I want to write a quote autobiography, I would make sure that this person I'm paying would color this as he. I am so devoted to quality and 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 craftsmanship that another second of time is another second of improvements I can make to it. Well, no, see, that's a a lot of it is is ego, because. Uh, when you have something finished and it's done and it's in, you are accepting that at some point you feel, you feel as though you've done the work, you've created something of value, uh, even if it may fall short of the ideal of a uh, perfect gem of truth, beauty, and wisdom. But it's finished, it's done, it's good. Uh, and so now, now move on, especially when other people are counting on seeing that thing. Uh, but the, it's, it's a bit of ego to think that, oh, no, I, I've got untapped genius. Uh, and it's also... Uh, Ego plus insecurity, if that makes any sense, to think that uh, to to try to take extra time or God forbid become late with something because you're like, oh my God, this is 
oh, it's late, so now it has to be twice as good as it was before, as as I think it was to make up for it being late. And this can cause in the certain in a certain kind of brain of which I am unfortunately the the pink slip owner. Uh, really big problems. So um, I was, uh, I had finished on time. As a matter of fact, I'd had to rush a couple of things that, that probably came through in the recording because I had uh, plans for a really big segment that caught, that would require a lot of editing and a lot of coordination. So I put in a lot of production time on it and it became clear that uh, I'm not really going to, uh, I can finish that in time, but it would be unfair to Jim, our editor to give him uh, less time to, edit this kind of complicated segment. And so I kind of had a rush to, to, to fill in uh, that gap, but okay. I've been, I've been a writer for enough, for a long enough time to know that, well, you know, uh, you can, you can take it. There's the day you want to post it, which is uh, Thursday. You can post it Friday and it's not a huge problem, but undesirable but yeah that's the 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 drop deadline is friday morning you really have to have those files like ready out of your hands and and out of your life and so uh, i had a i had radio in the morning as usual i I had to leave like really early in the morning so the last thing i was going to do was uh, check out these files okay they're all good and put them in the Dropbox for Jim. And I don't know what I did, but I I, dra- I thought I dragged all of them into the Dropbox. I only dragged half of them into the Dropbox. And I didn't stick around long enough to, I was just really, I was doing lots of overlapping actions, including like putting, have you ever been like so <laughs> stressed to make sure that you leave the house on time that you're like actually putting on socks at the desk while you're <laughs> closing up, while you're closing up your, your virtual office? That's what I was doing. So I dragged these things into the Dropbox left without checking to make sure that everything was there and everything was okay. And I was actually on my way to the city before I got a message from Jim saying, Hey, uh, you kind of end a little bit appropriately. Is this sort of a like French new wave cinema approach to podcasting? And it's like, Oh man, don't tell me. And I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I couldn't, I I couldn't find it. And I wasn't going to be home until uh, uh, later that night. And then unfortunately at this point, okay, it's now Friday night. (sighs) Well, you know what? It's, it's, you're going to have to be late, and it's going to be the first time I think this podcast has ever been late. So, okay, well now, well, you know what? You did rush that that the, those other things to to fill in the segment that you had to delay. So, why don't we just redo that? And and once again, this people are if it's going to be late, it has to be twice as good. And so you keep doing feature creep, and you keep like uh, adding more things, and keep trying to work it more and more. And like I said, part of it is this stupid idea of not being able to accept that you finished something. Another thing is once again, insecurity and ego. Uh, You have to always, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say you, the global you. Uh, This is something that I try to keep a really, really close eye on. Insecurity and ego can be responsible for so many bad problems, uh, bad decisions, bad choices. And we're not talking about, you know, we're not, we're not, we're not, I'm not talking about the huge things that change your life. But I'm talking about the, the little things that make your life a lot more complicated and oftentimes complicate the lives of other people, such as the person who's waiting to edit, to edit a podcast. Um, if you, if you here's something that is really, really helpful that I remind myself when I, when I realized I'm sort of losing, using, a, losing my grip on this sort of thing, I realized that you're you're telling yourself that you're going to delay it by because you want to make it better and you want to make up for the fact that it's late part of that if you look deep deep down is probably going to be in truth you realize that 
if people never see it, they will never judge it. Or even in a weaker version of this, that, oh, my God, this is this is this is crap. Deep down, I know that everything I do is crap. If I post if I post on Tuesday or Wednesday instead of tonight or late Friday night or early Saturday morning, I get to wait an extra three or four days before the whole world knows what a piece of crap this is. Again, that's selfishness and that's ego. And also that is uh, don't be so mean spirited towards yourself. I don't know how other people's brains work. I barely know how my own brain works. But I often have to uh, have a sort of a, a room monitor in my own brain that's basically monitoring all the stuff that I'm thinking, how I'm thinking it, and where those thoughts are coming from. And oftentimes I have to, as an impartial observer of my own thought process, realize when I am doing something to either hinder myself or protect myself from truth. And usually when you're protecting yourself from truth, you are protecting yourself from progress, from healing, from getting a podcast done uh, and finished like a day late. It would have been stupid if, if, if it had posted on Saturday because I've, uh, I accidentally uh, failed to post the acts two and three and, and, and the second ad, that would have been stupid, but, oh man, stupid mistakes that happen. Sometimes you, sometimes you step on a rake and you just got to rub your forehead and say, okay, that was dumb. And you move on. Uh, but if you, if I'd accepted that stupid mistake, I would have rubbed my forehead. Think, okay, hopefully there was, there were no surveillance cameras on uh, pointing out the window and I will not wind up being a Reddit meme or something like that. And it would have been done in past, but because I didn't want to acknowledge a truth. And also I wanted to delay what I perceived as a piece of pain that was coming. Uh, I kind of made that. I made this much, much worse. And of course, every day that it's late is another day. It's later, which is another day, another hunk of better. It has to be in my own mind. So that's, that's what I'm getting at. So also again, to apologize uh, for the fact that it was almost a full week late by the time I, by the time I got the whole thing finished. Uh, and, Hopefully these things will be helpful to you. And when and it's it's so, um, boy, the things we do to undermine ourselves because we are uh, thoughtlessly just clicking buttons and moving the mouse on our own user interfaces, interacting with our software. We don't take the time to be system administrators of our own brains and try to figure out. Why is gee, I, this, this progress bar is moving kind of slowly? What's the problem? Is it frozen or is it running out of memory? Is there something I can do to clear out old apps to make things move faster? That's the you, you really have to be assistant administrator to your own brain. Sometimes uh, I screw up on that, as happened last week. I, again, realize that I've been I was a, a by twice weekly columnist for a major metropolitan newspaper for close to 20 years, so I know of deadlines. And boy, one of the great things about writing for a newspaper, as opposed to writing for a blog, is that there are t- there are hard deadlines, and there are people who are uh, you're making people wait. You're getting people nervous if you if you are late. And so, if you had any tendency to submit to your own selfish ego and say. <laughs> Oh, it's good, this thing I've written, but my readers expect nothing less than greatness. So I'm going to be a day late with this. Well, no, you, if, you're, if you're a day late with something more than a couple of times, you can now be as late with something as you want because they'll find someone else to do that. So it's really, really good training. Uh, blogging is uh, requires a lot more uh, uh, 
it's hard for me to do blogging <laughs> as regularly as I do podcasts and do things with hard deadlines because, again, you can, you know, get into what what I call my, my lily sniffing mode. You know, imagine that the, you know, the poets of the late 19th century, uh, late 1900s, you know, in a crushed velvet brown suit, holding a single lily and sniffing it, weeping that I'm the only one who can appreciate its beauty. Meanwhile, other people are actually like building chimneys and laying plumbing pipe and actually getting things done. Uh, no, no, get outside of your own head. This is manual labor. Push the keep. Your, your job here is to push the cursor to the right. Just keep doing that day after day after day, and good things will happen. So I hope that uh, this apology also uh, get, and my sharing how my brain works and so what my, what some of my tools are for keeping it in operation as uh, for various uh, functions of the word operational uh, is going to help you out. So, but now uh, let's move on. Uh, really good news. Uh, the Mi Box S, uh, my, one of my favorite uh, uh, Android TV boxes and kind of uh, the, the one of two different uh, uh, credible Android TV boxes on the market. Uh, normally it's uh, $59, $69. Uh, right now it's at $29 on walmart.com. Uh, and I'm really happy with it. Uh, Florence, uh, Flo and I have talked about the, the Mi Box uh, very, very positively that uh, there are uh, if you you can get the uh, NVIDIA Shield, uh, t- the NVIDIA Shield TV, which is amazing. I think it's the best streaming box for any platform anywhere. Uh, it kicks the Apple TV's butt up and down the schoolyard. But it's a uh, you know it's one hundred fifty two hundred dollars. This is the, the even at fifty nine dollars. It's a sixty nine dollars. It's a very very good value. And at twenty nine dollars, I have no need for. <laughs> I have no. If I were to buy one of these at twenty nine dollars, I would now have more Android TV boxes than I have actual TVs in my house. But it was just such a good deal that I I found my that lizard part of my brain reaching for the reaching for the to click the buy it now button. Um, which is why I was surprised to find a uh, n- kind of negative review. I kept, I'm, I'm sorry I didn't bookmark this, but a, a somewhat negative review in one of the larger uh, tech blogs saying, after six months, it's just no, it's, it's cheap and it's no good and it's buggy and it doesn't work quite well. That's, that's really not my experience. Um, I should mention, though, that I'm not using – it's capable uh, – the, the current version of the Mi Box S is capable of uh, 4K HDR my function for the Mi Box is to power the uh, the 1080 standard HD TV in my bedroom, as opposed to the big wall of death screen in my uh, in my living room. Uh, and and for that, I've never had a problem with it. The only complaint I had about it was solved in December when they pushed out an update, and I fi- I finally got access to uh, the uh, to Amazon Prime Video library uh, in my bedroom. So I'm happy as a clam. The remote is very good. Uh, it's fast enough. It's not the fastest processor on the planet. It has a USB-C port that can do cool things like uh, introduce wired Ethernet, uh, introduce uh, – I haven't tried this, but uh, I've, I've been reading that it can uh, support USB audio out, but also has a regular headphone like line out and uh, line out and digital out. I, I think digital out, but definitely line out at least, uh, and the ability to attach mass storage devices to it. So it's a very, very flexible thing. So if you're installing – uh, apps like uh, Kodi or, uh, or or VLC, you can actually put 
a good a good pile of your uh, of your media or even your entire media your entire media library on a flash drive or a flash stick uh, and this tiny thing which is about the size of a stack of a small stack of bar coasters uh, <laughs> have this amazing huge library uh, oftentimes when i travel particularly if i'm travel if i'm like uh, sharing a beach house with friends for an entire week I will actually pack a pack the me box or the or the uh, or the shield so that when I need either a I need some alone time the TV in my room I will still have access to all my music and some movies that I like or when you get tired of other other people's taste in video <laughs> you can actually inflict your taste upon them uh so the point is that for 29 bucks this is the thing is that this thing is a steal. Even if you're just getting it as uh, a, the the equivalent of a Chromecast Ultra, because of course you can Chrome you can uh, you can Chromecast to it. So go for it if you don't have it. Uh, this is a good way to uh, turn a dumb TV into a smart TV, or maybe even replace the five year old uh, uh, box that you've had that doesn't really do much nowadays with something a lot more uh, a lot more current. Now, uh, before we get on with the show and get on to our first ad. I uh, had a watched a really nice video. Uh, a fellow who's a, a Apple Watch uh, certified repairman, uh, repair person who uh, repairs about like ten watches a day. So he's an absolute ninja at taking these things apart and putting them back together. He uh, for, he had this project where he wanted a Apple Watch in a clear case, a clear resin case. So he made he made his own molds. He did, of course he, he stripped this thing down, made molds of the, 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 the case, of the Apple watch, the, the scroll wheel, the, 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 the action button, everything cast them in resin, put this thing back together and it looks gorgeous. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. But this is not, this is a Google podcast. So uh, I'm going to be talking about the YouTube video itself. Now he's a very, very nice person, but he, he, uh, it, it was yet another of those YouTube videos that begins and ends with somebody asking me to smash something. And honestly, I don't know how I feel about that. Now, this is an abstract thing, this target of my smashing, uh, called the like and subscribe button. Actually, two separate buttons, if I'm going to be pedantic about it. But I'm not sure if I want to be violent towards even an uh, intangible user interface element. Why must I smash what 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 causes the smashing instinct? And also, I could sort of tell that uh, this YouTuber himself was kind of felt a little hangdogish about, oh gosh, am I really going to ask somebody to smash something on my behalf? He got it out, but he he he, he must have read or heard or been told something that uh, getting people to smash the like and subscribe button will. will set into motion a complex sequence of events which shall ultimately result uh, in uh, more uh, a, a better result on that vi- on the video so i don't know can we say uh, uh, approach the like and subscribe buttons with respect and uh, and a certain amount of relevance and uh, click on it in a sensitive fashion if the button feels as though that wouldn't be too heavy a thing for it to have to deal with, I realize that smash that like button is, uh, again, that's, that's a lot more, gets to the point and gets you moving on with the video faster. But again, I think this is the same reason why I've kind of, I don't know, I don't know why, uh, but um, years ago when I saw the Steve Martin movie, L.A. Story, there was just a throwaway line where he's arguing with his girlfriend and she's and the girlfriend say, "Oh God, I hate this. I hate how this." And he says, "I don't know. I don't know if you realize what an ugly word hate is." And for some reason, that kind of stuck with me. 
And I started realizing that, wow, I, it's a, you use it. I use it all the time when we all use it. Society uses it all the time without a lot of emotion, but just simply, Oh gosh, I, I, I hate it when like the, when there's a pickle on the sandwich and it's leaking into the bread, like hate is an ugly word. Should I, do I really want to say I hate this? And it really, once you start monitoring your language like i said you have to be the system operator who's man- monitoring and managing the software that runs on your brain like what what effect is it to having that i'm using the word a word like hate so trivially and it when when you keep that sort of thing in mind and once i started to not remove the word hate from my lexicon completely but at least to decide to i'm going to reserve it for when i really feel there is no option that this is exactly the perfect word to express my feelings what it really changes your point of view because it forces you to stop simply using such a blunt uh, verbal object to say uh, I, to say something about, again, the way that, that your sandwich was assembled. I don't hate the pickle. I don't hate the person who made this pickle. This did not that made this pickle and assembled the sandwich. What I'm saying is that I like it when the bread isn't squishy with, <laughs> with, with, uh, with, uh, with, uh, with, with, with pickle squeezins. That's all. And it, it's weird because it really does have a cumulative effect because Situations where I thought I would say, God, I hate this person or I hate that this thing exists. It's like, no, you don't hate it. You just wish that this person weren't being such a jack, whatever <laughs> you, you don't, you don't hate, uh, you, you don't hate the, the headwinds that you're, that's uh, two muscular arms pushing you back every single time you crank the pedals on your bike and you're trying to get just three miles away from somewhere because the, you're, <laughs> the, the wind will keep coming whether you hate it or not, your emotional state. You may as well just sort of free your mind from this. <laughs> and so that's, that's why I, 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 really, I thought about this this morning when I was watching that video and kind of as a joke. And also it's, it's such a cliche. No, smash that, smash that like button. It's, I, have to, I have to use like the, the Chad voice like, hey, hey guys, welcome back to the voice. And I'm, I'm sorry. I, I know. I know. YouTubers do their best, <laughs> so I'm not. I'm, I'm. I'm not judging. But it really did cause this chain of thought that oh god, I, I don't. I don't want to smash things. I'm. I. I'm. I kid you not. I was like sitting cross-legged in my bed. Uh, I have a. <laughs> I have a, a electric kettle on my nightstand and like a little tea service. I was literally sipping herbal tea. <laughs> I'm, I, I, I'm not joking. With like a little little cup and saucer. <laughs> I, 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 all I needed was a monocle <laughs> to complete the, to complete the, the, this milk toasty. Oh dear. We're like smash. It's, that's awful course. Don't you think? But again, think about what you're thinking. Think about what you're saying. Think about the reasons why you're thinking and saying things. Okay. Well, one last, uh, gimpy, gimpy bush update before we, uh, before we proceed. Uh, actually I did not, I don't think I updated you last week, but two weeks ago, uh, we were number two, four and five on the rankings of hits about uh, podcasts about the gimpy gimpy bush that that really really vindictive uh, painful uh, leaf uh, in Australia uh, now we are at four and six uh, and I have to say that I have to assume that this was because of uh, F- uh, Flo's absence from the show for the past couple of weeks so come back Flo on on your own time on your own schedule take care of your family but oh my goodness will you be welcomed 
<laughs> when you come back. I'm not saying that just because I do plan to buy myself a cake for 10 people and decorate it and fake being able to share it with you to celebrate your return. It is really because we miss you horribly. Uh, and incidentally, if you want to send your own wishes uh, to uh, Flo, uh, her, on Twitter, she's OhThatFlow, O-H-T-H-A-T-F-L-O. And I'm sure she would love it if you uh, if you sent her your, your greetings. Uh, and also, of course, uh, check her on, out on Twitter where she's, again, you can tell she's still sending me links to stories. Uh, because I, I can tell she's itching. Uh, I think I think that if she's anything like me, again, there are system operators inside your brain. One of them is saying, "Oh man, I'm just I'm tugging at the leash, saying let's get do it, let's get going, let's move on, let's move on, let's move on." And another one is like another part of the brain is at the other end of the leash, saying, "No, let's go slowly." That's fine. We've this has been a really, really big change. And plus, we're never going to have the first month with our baby ever again. We are going to ha- enjoy every single moment of this. We don't need to rush back, even if it's only a few hours, uh, a few hours a week or, or, or a day out of the week. So come back at your own time. But we will welcome you so, so, so giddily when you do come back. Flo. Well, uh, we'll be back with some more information about the future after this message. This episode of Material is brought to you by Pingdom from SolarWinds. Today's internet users expect a fast web experience. No matter how good your content or how effective your marketing, they'll most likely bounce if your website is loading too slow. With real user monitoring from Pingdom, you can discover how website performance issues affect your visitors' experience so you can take action before your business is impacted. How your visitors experience your website differs depending on the browser, device, and platform they use. So you want to identify how users are experiencing your website so you can make informed optimizations and deliver a great performance to those who matter most. Real user monitoring is an event-based solution, so it's built for scalability. Meaning you can monitor millions of page views without compromising the fidelity of your historical data or breaking the bank in the process. Get live visitor insights today with real user monitoring from Pingdom. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. Then, when you sign up, use the code MATERIAL at checkout to get an awesome 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom from, from SolarWinds for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. We are all deeply interested in the future, for this is where we will spend the rest of our lives. Or so the weird butter sculpture-haired narrator at the beginning of Plan 9 from Outer Space uh, begins the narrative, uh, Plan 9 from Outer Space, it really is just as bad as you've heard. You really don't need to see it. But yes, uh, he he was true. We are living in the future. Not now, but now we are. Uh, So... We're going to talk about a couple of things that are coming up in the future. Uh, so we're going to start by talking more about the Android 11 developer preview, which hit uh, just last week or a little before that. Now, it's great because uh, we talked about it. I, I rushed through it last week because it, it was still kind of fresh. Uh, I hadn't installed it on anything yet. And I was, uh, and everybody was, was hadn't really done their deep dive into it yet. Uh, but now uh, everybody has had a good chance to not only dig deep into what's there, but also figure out what it means in lots of contexts. Uh, one of the big things that seemed to be a, a, a really great push uh, with Android 11 is uh, privacy features. There seem to be, they seem to, uh, Google seems to understand that 
one of the pain points for Android is security and privacy. And that's certainly uh, – Apple knows where that pain point is, and they know exactly how to push it and and inflict the pain. Uh, so they're adding a lot they're, – they're basically doing a lot of simple things, just uh, core things that, inc- that uh, enhance these features. Uh, one of the nicest ones is uh, how they're changing, uh, changing app permissions. Now, they'd already in Android, uh, Android uh, 10 uh, added more fine-grained control, so, uh, more similar to uh, the way that iOS handles permissions. Uh, now they're, at, they're adding a really critical feature uh, where uh, they can not, now uh, you, you, the user, can allow access to location, the microphone, and the camera just once. So if, the, if, if a certain app asks for, asks for uh, location information and you realize that, okay, I actually, I, I really am, I, I know this is the, the Domino's Pizza app or whatever, uh, but I'm in, a foreign, I'm in a foreign state of, of, uh, of, 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 the, of the country. Uh, I really need to, I'm, I'm in town on business. I really do need to know where the, the, the nearest source of bad but cheap pizza is. But it's now instead of giving access to that app forever, you can just say once. That's all. Just this time and the next time it asks for permission, it's going to have to ask all over. It needs access to uh, locations. Going to have to ask all over again. So that's a really really big deal. Uh, another sort of well, this is a little bit controversial, but it kind of is important. Uh, a concept that uh, Google introduced with uh, Android 10 called scoped storage. This is how apps can access. Uh, information, data, files that's on your phone. Now, one of the nicest things about Android, one of the things that kind of brought me to Android from iOS is the fact that it works a lot more like uh, a desktop OS with an open file system. So whereas it's just hell on earth to try to Hey Andy, didn't didn't you just spend ten minutes talking about how you're very careful about extreme language and you just called it hell on earth? Okay, I'm being jocular, I'm being funny, but it's a it's a larger getting a getting data or a file uh, into an iPad or an iPhone is a much bigger deal than it should be or it could be, uh, and so that's one of the things that I really liked about uh, Android. Even today, if I want to put music on the device, I can just take a flash drive out of my pocket, boom, stick it right into the the port, uh, and just copy it, uh, just like it's a just like it's a floppy disk in the good old days of the early 1980s. 80s. I say the good old days because Joe Jackson had new albums out. Elvis Costello had albums, uh, new albums out. We still had three Beatles. It was a pretty good time. Anyway, uh, so uh, uh, now there's uh, the problem is that you can't allow, especially where privacy is concerned, you can't allow an app to simply have carte blanche access to every file and every piece of data that's on the phone generated by everything. Uh, that's how uh, that's how a lot of hacks uh, kind of take advantage. So uh, in addition to that's how a lot of marketers take advantage. So uh, they they added this concept called scope storage that limits the uh, li- limits uh, individual app to what it can actually see. It can certainly see everything inside its own sandbox, but it has to kind of request access to uh, other apps storage systems. So uh, with Android 10, uh, they told developers that this thing is coming. Uh, we are including support in Android 10, so you can start preparing for it and start writing for it. In Android 11, it's becoming more than a nudge. Uh, and so a lot of apps are going to have to – that we're making a lot of magic happen by have by expanding its horizons beyond its uh, its app container are going to have to figure out how to get along in life without that feature. We don't know how that's going to play out for people, uh, for uh, we, the users. Uh, I can say that my experience uh, in Apple, now that they, uh, the desktop operating system, macOS, they've been 
Ugh, Apple's but Apple really tightened the screws on this sort of thing to the point where uh, there's a there's a there's a folder called Dropbox, and the Dropbox app installs it in a in a very very uh, in the same location on every system. So you would think that an app that has uh, Dropbox features, wow, that's great. All it all has to do is look for Dropbox in this directory, and if it finds it, boom, you're gone. You you go ahead. Now you can't do that. It has it doesn't have permission to simply. Uh, ask for uh, to sim- to simply access a uh, a arbitrary directory on a drive, and everything is such a pain in the butt because you have to navigate to things. Things that used to be automatic uh, are now require two or three steps. Oy. So we'll see how this works out. But uh, all, overall, particularly on a mobile device where it is it is the pirate chest that every marketer is trying to find the map to. Yeah, we need more protection. That's that's probably a good thing. Uh, another cool thing, which is something that is also happening on iOS, is support for secure identity credentials. These will support things like having a, a digital driver's license so that uh, if you, whether you're uh, going to a club and you need to prove that you're not underage, you can buy alcohol, uh, or if you're pulled over uh, by a police officer, uh, now you can actually show your phone. There'll be a QR code. Uh, they can scan it. And without having to scrutinize anything, they can see, okay, this is, they will essentially get the, get the information that this is a valid license for one. It's not a, you didn't pay some guy behind the, behind the tennis courts at at your high school uh, to make you a fake digital ID. No, it's, it's, it's secure. It's going to work. So uh, the problem though, is that, um, it hasn't been – there are states that are moving towards digital driver's licenses, and it's – you would think that that's a very, very natural thing. But the thing is that there – I don't – I haven't been able to find any standards as yet for how your own access to the device is protected. So if I'm pulled over by a, by a state trooper, by a cop, by anybody, and I have to show my license, I have no problem with showing my license. What I have a problem is – is inadvertently giving uh, an officer access to an unlocked phone. So uh, I haven't been able f- I, I haven't been f- able to find this out yet. I'm still digging, but I wonder. I, I would hope that once you you can activate this ID without uh, having to unlock your phone, so that if uh, now I if the officer were to use this digital ID as an opportunity to say, well, I'm going to sort of fake this person out. I did have to ask what their ask for their, for their driver's license, but they don't know that this clipboard that I'm simply putting the phone on so that, Oh, it helps with the lighting. So I can scan this is actually uh, through Bluetooth or whatever, using an exploit to get to siphon data off of this device because it's unlocked at that moment. There's no need for biometrics or passcode. Um, or what I also fear is that, uh, part of police training is, and I, I'm not, I'm not being uh, anti-police here. I'm simply saying the truth. As part of doing their jobs, or what they feel to be their jobs, is that uh, sometimes they use language like "I need to see," "I need to look in the trunk of your car," where, and they say, "Oh, well, if someone with a badge and a gun says I need to do this," if you say, "Oh, sure, absolutely." You inter- the citizen will interpret this as I have the legal authority to do this and I'm demanding that you open the trunk of the car. Uh, from a legal point of view, however, what they're doing is saying, hi, I would like to – you don't have to do this, but I would like to examine your, the trunk of your car. But legally, I need to get your, author- your, your, your authorization uh, to do so without a court order. 
And so that's how they sort of get around this. And so I worry that they, if uh, a uh, a less civil civil liberty <laughs> caring about police force would say that, well, geez, all of these drivers are used to my taking the driver's license and putting on a clipboard and walking back to the walking back to my car. Uh, because I have to type in the number from the from the uh, from the paper, from the uh, printed uh, driver's license into my computer. What if wh- what's to why wouldn't they just simply hand over their phone and not even question my taking it back to the car? Uh, and they don't see me in there, so they don't see me attaching a cable to the bottom of it to again take a look at the text messages sent and received on this now unlocked phone. So there's a lot of things going on here. There's a lot of things that are going to be make this more useful, make things faster, uh, less BS uh, in terms of uh, identifying yourself to a whole range of people that need to know that not get your personal data, but at least know that you are who you say you are. So, okay, here's a picture. Here is your name. Here is a, a number that I can't see, but it verifies as a, as an author, as a, as a current license or current ID. Good. Let's send this person another way. But as usual, without regulations, without strict rules about what other parties are able to do and not do with this, it really is an invitation for abuse. So, okay, we'll see how that works. Uh, now, 95 Google has, <laughs> has a really great, I have to, I have to really single out, uh, the the wonderful uh, journalism of Kyle Bradshaw of 95Google. Uh, there is a new like a system setting called Enable Gabeldorsch, G-A-B-E-L-D-O-R-S-C-H-E. Uh, now there's a the, there's a boring reason for the story uh, that uh, the it's, it, it's uh, it affects the Bluetooth stack for Android. Uh, the current Bluetooth stack uh, the interface is called Fluoride, and uh, Gabeldorsch appears to be a replacement for Fluoride. So and at this point, nobody can figure out what's better, what's worse. If there are new features, if it's just, hey, this is old code, we may as well replace it, what the point of replacing it is. Uh, however, unsatisfied with that, Kyle Bratcha uh, took, a, took a guess at what, why it's named the way it is. Uh, I'm quoting him in, in his 9 to 5 Google article, which is linked in the show notes. Uh, Gable Dorsch is the German word for the f- fifth Latin, physidae, ph, physidae, physidae. P-H-Y-C-I-D-A-E. Family of fish. More importantly, though, another translation of Gable Dorsch is, quote, fork beards, unquote. Next, we need a bit of a history lesson. In the year 958, Harald, Blut, quote, Bluetooth Gormson succeeded his father as king of Denmark and also for a brief period king of Norway, who was said to have united the tribes of Denmark. As you can guess, King Harold is the namesake for the Bluetooth technology we know today. 28 years later, in 986, King Harold was succeeded by his son, Swain Forkbeard. Awesome. So, so it's a successor to the original Bluetooth set. Also, as a, devel- as a developer, you could see them having the appeal of, oh, fork, we're, we're forking. <laughs> maybe this is an open, uh, maybe fluoride is based on like open source code. We're going to be, or, we're going to be, we're going to be making changes to it, but also releasing our changes uh, into the open source community. But so we're, we're forking <laughs> fluoride. Uh, I love that sort of thing. And I'm, I'm so happy for, I'm so proud of, uh, for, for Kyle for actually saying, well, we got to figure this out. Good for him. Um, speaking of really nerdy things, uh, there is a feature uh, that's internally, uh, according to if you take a look inside the code, uh, called Columbus. That's uh, pretty cool. 
It's an it's an, yet another way of uh, shortcut for invoking the Google Assistant uh, on Pixel phones. You just double tap the back of the phone, and no, you don't need to have the uh, the uh, fingerprint sensor on the back. Just the fact that you're tapping the back of the phone twice uh, means that okay, it will bring up the Google Assistant. Now, setting aside the fact that this is what the third, fourth, fifth shortcut for bringing up Google Assistant, pick a mode and make make everybody learn it. Okay, if you that's I shouldn't be complaining because if you don't, it won't confuse you if you don't know about it. And uh, but now it's like okay, so I can press and hold on the home button. I can squeeze it. I can double tap. Okay, anyway. but the reason why uh, it's called Columbus, uh, if you if you're fans of the, of the movie Zombie Land, uh, <laughs> in which it's a post uh, zombie apo- post zombie apocalyptic landscape, and some people who are uh, uh, nomadic people who are trying not to get <laughs> zombified by the zombies, uh, band together and they travel around. Uh, so. Uh, uh, one of the main characters, uh, his he has a list of rules on how to survive a zombie apocalypse. And rule number two is to not be stingy with your bullets when you're fighting zombies. So double tap, you know, bang, bang. Uh, and, of course, this character's name is Columbus. Yay, yay. Uh, smart hot seat. Now, the feature, this is... Eh, controversial. I don't know. Uh, so uh, we're all used to having uh, th- that d- that lower deck of uh, application icons on the launcher, where we physically choose and load onto the bottom strip of icons the strip of the the apps uh, and the stuff that's going to be available on every single page of the launcher. Great. Uh, and so, uh, smart hot seat is an option where it will. Uh, where the operating system will populate that lower deck automatically. So figuring out what apps you use most frequently, what app you might want to be using right now in this context, like you're in a Starbucks, maybe you're going to want to see the Starbucks app. Okay. But I think there are other solutions to that. And I like the fact that I have control over those five slots on the bottom of my phone. So, okay. Uh, uh, The fact that it appears you can turn this on and off means that, any complaints I might have about it are a non-issue because if I don't like it, I can turn it off. But uh, I don't know if that's the right way to go for it. Uh, they're also going to be uh, improving the notification uh, history uh, by a new feature called notification history. So I'm loving this the because there's so many times where I hear a ping or an alert and I pick up my phone, but I don't know what the what the the alert was for. So uh, there has always been a uh, a notification log. That's sort of buried sort of as a developer feature. This kind of brings that sort of just time-stamped list of notifications and the order that they came in without any uh, trying to organize them or make them better for you. Uh, and just here's a, a time-stamped list of, of notifications that came in. So that becomes a, user, say, a, a user-facing feature. Um, being able, and this is we mentioned about this last last week, but uh, it's worth it's worth remembering because I can't believe it took this long for this to happen. You can pin up to four apps to the share menu, so that instead of it, kind of like what we're talking about with uh, with uh, with a smart hot seat, it will. It's stupid that this thing that Android is guessing at what app I'm, I'm most likely to want to share uh, this data. That I'm share. I tap the share sheet uh, to activate from because no, I can tell you. That I I only share for like to like three or four different apps. It's probably either I'm sharing something to Instagram. I might be sharing something uh, to my notes app. Again, don't and don't make me have to scroll, 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 be, and to find uh, find the pocket app because this is one of the things I use sharing for always. Uh, this is it reminds me of this is a generalization, but it, boy, has it been consistent through all through all kinds of years. The thing that gets me most angry. 
uh, about, I mean, I'm, t- I'm talking about this sort of like hormonal rage, not rage, but oh man, just, it really gets me, gets me hopping is when a, a, a technology tries to help me and it really wants to help me. And it's so happy that it's helping me, but it's guessing wrong. It's doing the wrong thing and it won't let me override its help. It's, it really is like when there, there are reasons why if you're at a dinner party or you're at a friend's house for, for dinner and you ask, okay, can I help you, uh, can I help you cook there in the kitchen? They're, be, they're not just being polite when they say, no, that's fine. I've got everything handled here. It's because if you sometimes, if you, if you invite someone into the kitchen, they will do things that they think is helpful, but now they didn't realize that, oh, that bag of ice that I bought, though, that's for the drinks. And now you, and, and now you just dumped it into the, into, into the cooler here. And now I can't really use it for the thing I was supposed to use it for. But you have to be nice and say now and say, oh well, thank you. But okay, well, I, I've, now, now we've got a problem that we have to solve. When it's an intangible object, let's say I don't know. I'm just going to make I don't know. Just off the top of my head, just making up something fake, uh, an auto reverse cassette player uh, that is malfunctioning because you put your cassette based iPod adapter audio out adapter into it, and it keeps auto reversing and just randomly while you're listening to music or podcast, just turning off the music and going to silence. And you're already like in a car and you're trying to, you're, you're, you're facing like you're in Jedi versus, uh, versus Vader battle on the, on I-95. And all you want to do is listen to music. And you're just, and I find myself before I learned certain, <laughs> certain Zen, <laughs> certain Zen lessons that I found myself and when I was having a bad day anyway, Yelling at the tape deck again, in full knowledge that this is an inanimate object. If I feel like it will, it'll make me feel better to yell at an inanimate object. I will do so. Like all you have to do is do nothing on a reverse. Cause if you do nothing, if you make no choices, you will be working perfectly. And I'll be so grateful for the job that you're doing, but no, you have to, you have to help me. Don't you by trying to flip over a cassette that was never meant to be flipped over to begin with. Yeah, I just so this is the sort of thing that, that annoys me. That the Android has this currently has this feature where it tries to help me by predicting what apps I'm going to want to share to from the share seat sheet in any situation. When I'm saying, if you just let me tell you what, like even don't even limit it to five. Let me show you what the order. Uh, just let me drag things in order, and just don't even try to be clever. Just do what I tell you, and you'll be doing things perfectly. And I'll be so happy that you did it that way. Uh, speaking of sharing, uh, printing from Android has always been uh, not quite a dog's dinner, but not really <laughs> helpful uh, because it's usually been, hey, you, you, here's a separate app that you have installed, or here's the standard that you may or may not be may or may not be supported. It's always been more complicated than it needed to be. So now there's going to be a share to print feature. So just right there in the sharing sheet you'll be able to send something to a printer in a much more, and that actually does that sort of thing has been vaguely present before, but this way uh, the app doesn't really have to do anything. Uh, it doesn't have to do very much because the sharing system will then take that data, take that image, take that text and send it to whatever the default printer is again, and long overdue. Um, it looks like uh, the uh, next version of the pixel phone will allow you to charge other devices from the phone wirelessly, like to use the phone's battery as a battery charger for other devices, because there seems to be a new battery share uh, feature. That's great. It's, it's useful for things like uh, wireless headphones, uh, really kind of stinks when you're trying to like top off, uh, get some uh, more life out of a phone because you really are pe- you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul there. 
Although I have to admit that there, there have been times where I've been traveling with like two phones because I've got my own phone and then this other phone that I'm testing for something else. And my, it's, I've had a long, long week at a conference and my, my USB charger is dead and I'm losing battery and almost dead on my real phone. And I've had to reach in my wallet for the SIM extractor that I keep in my wallet at all times. Not because I like to be prepared, but because even inside the office is the only place I can keep that damn tiny little piece of metal where I know I'm not going to lose it. I'm going to be able to find it and did a SIM swap. <laughs> so I'm now using uh, I'm temporarily switching to an iPhone 10, iPhone 11, only because the battery is good. I've been, bar- I've been only using the iPhone 10 as a camera all day. And so, so I shouldn't complain. So that's, that's hopefully going to be useful. Uh, Bluetooth is going to stay con- in airplane mode. Bluetooth stays connected again. Uh, makes every life simple because you have to turn off the major radios, but you still want to listen to uh, noise canceling headphones, uh, scrolling sh- screenshots, and a native screen recorder. There's so many times where this is more useful than uh, than most people think. The number of times where uh, the best way to make sure that I've got the con- I've got the information that I need and that I will be able to have it when I need it. Is not the complicated. Oh, I'm going to send this to Pocket, then sync to Evernote. It's simply I want to take a screenshot of this. And just like save it as a file, as an image file on my in, in my camera roll, and so it's just a file. So it doesn't matter if I don't have internet access. I'm on a subway. I've, I use I use that a lot for like subway maps uh, and subway directions. I'll uh, I'll get the directions off of Google Maps, but then I will screenshot it <laughs> to make because I don't know if when at the time I'm trying to remind myself, hey, what stop do I need to get off at, or where do I need to transfer? Uh, I need to be able to do that. So the the, the idea to the the ability to get the entire scrolling web page in one shot is great. Screen record for the same reason sometimes there's a feat sometimes you need to capture something that the app developer did not anticipate that you would need to capture it that just adds that sort of thing um another thing based on security uh, is uh, improvements to third-party biometric support uh, that right now it's sort of an all or nothing sort of thing where uh the an app can ask for a biometric uh, biometric uh, identification and they say yep here it is here you go but the problem is that some biometric systems on some phones really really stink and they're terrible and you really shouldn't use them or they're they're not good enough for the task at hand like uh they're perfectly fine uh if you just want to uh share uh, uh share uh a picture privately with somebody or you want to, you've got like a, a personal folder of, of, uh, of clippings inside your note taking device. And you want to make sure that you don't want, uh, you don't want it to fall into the wrong hands. It's just, so maybe the, maybe the, the facial recognition on your phone that just uses the selfie camera, that might be good enough. If you're using a banking app, you certainly would want to not use facial recognition unless it were, let's say non Samsung style, <laughs> actual 3d face unlocking, like you've got in the pixel. Uh, so now the app itself can ask, uh, the, uh, the onboard, uh, biometric support, uh, what does, what kinds of biometric, uh, ID does this device support? And uh, they, they're lumped into categories for weak, uh, weak, strong, and device credential biometric hardware. So the banking app can decide, okay, this does not have good enough uh, biometric technology for it being to trust it. So I'm going to have the user input their passcode instead. Again, just, it'll, make, it'll make things work nicer. Now, of course, we're not going to know any. We're going to know a lot more about this, about everything, and, and more in Mar- in May at uh, Google I/O. So it's it's fun to get, kind of get your kind of get your hopes up a little bit uh, before your hopes are exceeded. Once they give the first like to the public to all the developers demo of every of the majority uh, of Android 11. Um, side note, though, 
I hope that Google I.O. actually happens because the COVID-19 virus is uh, already wreaking a lot of havoc to big conferences. Um, the uh, Facebook F8 developer conference has already been canceled. Uh, Mobile World Congress was canceled. Uh, here in Boston, as I record this, is the big PAX East gaming convention. Uh, Sony dropped out, and they were supposed to demo uh, a really, really huge new launch uh, for the first time there. They've also pulled out of the Game Developers Conference. Uh, San Francisco and Santa Clara counties have ar- have already declared states of emergency, uh, not because that we've got a, a zombie land sort of apocalyptic thing happening there. It just allows them to get access to certain emergency powers like uh, reassign city employees to help out uh, at uh, to help uh, city IT uh, employees from one department can now be moved over temporarily to the health department so they can help develop the infrastructure to make sure that we can handle all this data, make sure that patients can be processed uh, to make sure that if if there is like a surge of usage of hospitals, that's all managed. So we're not talking about, again, double tapping anybody we're talking about, but it is significant that they've both declared states of emergency and that's where all these conferences are happening. So who knows? They might, uh, they might cancel it. They really might. Uh, they might uh, say they might limit admission to people who have passed a two week quarantine. So uh, and not, not just from, uh, I think there's already a two week quarantine in place from China, but they could extend the, the, the a conference could extend that to say, look, if you're from anywhere uh, for that, that our own database has indicated is a COVID-19 hotspot, uh, we're going to ask for you to be uh, isolated for two weeks before we will allow you on the show floor. Um, it's uh, you can see you can see how important that would be. I, I didn't get uh, uh, a f- I, I I only go to PAX East if I think about it far enough in advance to either arrange for a press pass or to buy tickets. I didn't do either of those things in time, but that was okay because even if I had a pass. Going to a going to not only a huge conference that thousands and thousands, tens of thousands, I think that's about a 60, 70,000 people at this conference, maybe even more. Um, not only a huge conglomeration of people, but also this is a gaming conference where people are going to be touching the same game controllers at demo stations over and over and over again. You can bet, <laughs> uh, bet all your money that if I did go there, I would be wearing like probably <laughs> – I'd have a box of like surgeon's gloves. And I would be wearing them underneath like cotton gloves to make sure that at no point am I touching anything that other people have touched. Uh, it's uh, if I could get sort of a rolling plastic bubble, I, that that otherwise it seems like sort of a sketchy thing to do for your health. Uh, and this and keep in mind that I'm in Boston, so this is uh, almost as far away from uh, the, uh, the the Chinese and, uh, and and Southeast Asian hotspots as you can get in San Francisco. That's pretty much where you land when you're on on your way to anywhere else in the country from China or from Japan. So okay. <laughs> Uh, all kinds of things could happen, but there, there, it's even worth discussing if this might be one of those incidents that uh, doesn't force a fundamental change in how conferences are run. Because I mean, this is this is not going to be. Uh, it might uh, COVID nineteen is not a pandemic yet. It might reach pandemic status, uh, but as much as the news cycle is uh, captivated with uh, with this uh, virus right now a lot of the news you're hearing is preventative in nature. It's really, really, it's a really, really scary virus because not because everybody has it. Uh, it really is fairly low numbers, but because within a certain age group, uh, it's kind of an alarming rate, uh, ratio of infection versus fatality. 
Uh, so, and, and again, I'm, I'm, I know about technology. I'm not a doctor. Go to the CDC uh, for information, actual information about this sort of stuff. Uh, but uh, what, I'm, what I'm thinking about, though, is that we will go maybe one season in which we no longer have the – one season in which just for this one incident, we didn't have a Facebook conference. And maybe we didn't have uh, uh, WWDC at Apple. Maybe we didn't have Google I.O. Uh, at, uh, at, at the Google campus. And Google and Apple and Facebook will realize that, you know what, things actually work really, really well. Uh, all we did was we, we still – devoted as much uh, human resources as we normally would have. But instead of mingling with thousands of people on our campus that are spreading diseases to each other uh, and also, you know, all these logistics of getting people in and out, we just, uh, we just built like a really, really cool big studio. So we did all of our live streaming as usual, but, and all the audience was going to be via stream. And maybe that's the better way of doing that. Who knows? We'll find out. Uh, now, uh, we don't have, things we don't have to wait until uh, May for uh, or uh, until uh, uh, Android 11 for. And remember, this is a, Android 11 right now is a developer preview. It is only of interest to developers and to people who are writing about the future of Android. Do not, under any circumstances, install it on your phone because it will then become a phone-shaped device, not something that you can count on for uh, apps services and certainly telephone calls and text messages. Uh, but uh, there are a lot of things that we were talking about last week that we thought uh, after disassembling – we, I'm talking about the royal we. I wasn't disassembling things. I just installed it uh, on, a, on a device. Uh, there are a lot of things that uh, were, were found in this developer preview that were assumed to be part of Android 11, but they're actually not uh, because it seems to be a, a, a quarterly pixel feature drop that's coming in March, uh, right next month. Uh, remember that uh, late last year, starting in December, Google announced that instead of limiting its big feature releases uh, for the pixel to once a year when they release a new version of Android or sporadically, and you don't know when this feature is coming, they committed to, we're going to do a quarterly schedule. We're going to do, we're going to actually call it a feature drop. The next one's happening in March. Uh, and, uh, nine to five Google, uh, I think they were the first ones to have this. Uh, the, there is an app on, on the Play Store called Pixel Tips that's there to for Pixel users to sort of online documentation. And by breaking it apart, they found content uh, for uh, for features that seem to be coming in March. So a lot of things that uh, were t- people were talking about last week as hey, we'll get this Android 11 feature in September. We're actually going to get it next month. So, all right. Uh, so one of them is uh, show cards and passes, like a shortcut under the sleep wake button so that uh, all of your pass cards, your your Starbucks card, your Google Pay card, instead of having to dig deep into the interface and launch an app to get at them, uh, just uh, bring up the bring up that little uh, uh, that little button palette uh, by by tapping on the power button, and now you can get at your Starbucks card right from there. I hope this is, this is be wonderful, and I really hope that it extends to like tickets and boarding passes because the number of times I, I take Amtrak a lot, and the number of times where uh, I have to, I didn't know when, the, I thought the conductor was going to be coming in a minute. The conductor is taking tickets though, like 15 minutes later. And by the time that happens, uh, my phone has gone to sleep or I've actually like been on uh, Instagram or whatever. And now I have to go fi- surface that ticket again. The ability to simply uh, even pin this Amtrak ticket or have the app automatically know, Ooh, there's, uh, uh, 
there it's it's seven o'clock in the evening and uh, andy has an amtrak ticket for like 7-eleven i'm gonna make sure that that physical ticket that that electronic ticket is right there double tappable uh, from the from that dock icon, from that icon really great so we'll see we'll see how that works uh dark mode schedulings you can just schedule when the dark mode kicks in again not android 11 exclusive it seems to be happening next month uh really good feature the personal safety app which is exclusive for now for the pixel 4 looks like it will be able to uh, work on older pixels. I don't know if it will work all the way back to the Pixel 1, but even Pixel 2 and 3 uh, would be good things. The personal safety app, uh, I was actually, I'd actually forgotten that it existed until I was reading about this. And uh, it's an app you download from the Play Store that has your personal like emergency information, like here is your medical information, here is your identity, uh, here is con- uh, emergency contact information, uh, so that if you're if if you know, if you have a you get into medical trouble in the middle of the street, uh, it will th- this a link to this stuff will appear on the lock screen, and so first responders can access this stuff without unlock having to unlock your phone. Uh, and it has cool features like if if uh, the phone detects you've been in, in a car crash, it can call nine one one for you. Uh, that's going to be a United States only feature. Uh, probably uh, it's not because uh, Google doesn't like you international people as much as they like uh, the Americans. I think it's because they realize that with our healthcare system, getting nine one one to the spot really really fast could be a, a life saving thing. You we know that you you guys have have your health system worked out. You're probably going to get access to a top level healthcare like eventually or sooner than rather than later. Um, and also, also an emergency sharing feature. So, uh, you can push if you're basically, if you're about to, if you're about to lose consciousness because they've just injected you with painkillers because they need to reset your leg on the side of a mountain, you can tap one button and that one button will send a short message to, uh, everyone per- you've put on this list. So good stuff. And I, uh, I'm definitely, I'm definitely going to make sure that that's fully populated on my pixel phone. And as soon as that's available for everybody, if you have a pixel phone, definitely download it and use it because, uh, while it's on your mind, do it because when that at the time when you realize, oh my God, I really need this app, you're probably not going to have the attached number of digits, maybe even to be able to attach the to download from the Play Store, let alone connection to the internet. Um, now, uh, last thing is that uh, now we're seeing some. Fortunately, we're seeing some motion. Pardon the pun. Uh, in adding more gestures to the motion sense feature on the Pixel Four. Uh, but it's uh, weak sauce. It's so now we've had the ability to wave above the screen to skip and replay tracks if uh, they're they're being played. Uh, now you can have an uh, you can pause and, and play by air tapping above the phone. So basically, if you just jab your finger in front of the screen, uh, it will pause and play. Okay, I mean that's nice. I'm I'm glad that it exists, but it's still just a playback thing. I was really looking forward to, uh, I was really looking forward to having a lot of basic uh, user interface, like fundamental things like tapping uh, and 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 scrolling, and and as a universal gesture, being able to be used uh, in motion sense. Uh, I I almost thought it was un, uh, unfathomable. That at least during by the end of 2019 or early 2020, they couldn't they wouldn't be able to figure out just simple scrolling. Just wave your wave your hand like up up and down to scroll up and scroll down because it's a scroll gesture. If you have a keep if you have a keyboard attached, just page up, page down. It's the simplest damn thing. Why don't we have that supported? And that was one of the things I was most looking forward to when 
it's earlier on when it appeared that yes, this motion sense sort of thing was going to be part of the next pixel phone. Uh, because I live in, again, I live in new England and it gets really freaking cold or excuse me, before the, before global warming, it got really freaking cold and just times where I don't want to take off a glove. So I, I don't want to take off a glove and I don't have my, my, my stuff together enough to remember to have like a stylus in my pocket so I can still like operate the screen, even though I've, uh, without getting frostbite. So I really want to see more movement on motion sense. I want it to see, I want it to be, it, right now it feels like a gimmick as opposed to the future of interaction. It could be the future of interaction, but it ain't right now. So, oh, well, uh, <laughs> I, st- I still really like the Pixel 4. Um, I haven't bought one yet. I have uh, I have uh, the, the unit that I got from Google uh, from the event so I could like write about it and talk about it, uh, but I haven't put my SIM card in it yet. Uh, because a, I've, uh, I, I put, excuse me, I did put it in there for a couple of weeks to test it out as a real phone, but then I put it back in my, my regular phone because I, 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 my, my, the moral, the ethical line that I choose to, to define is that if I start using something as a person, personal piece of personal equipment, as opposed to something I'm trying to learn about so I can communicate to others, I feel like I have to buy it. But the weird thing is my pixel one is still holding up. I mean, I can't really, I can't see anything that I really, really miss. I, I wish I had face unlock because face unlock works great. Maybe through, uh, through recent updates, they've, they've become even better, but it really works well. I, I wish that we we're on the pixel one, but even the camera, I know that the pixel four takes better pictures, but, uh, yesterday I came home and put my hat, I've got a hallway that uh, in late afternoon gets really cool light. And that's, I hung my hat on a, uh, on a, on a peg and just the lighting was so damn good that I didn't even know if I was going to use this picture anywhere, but I had to take a picture. And I did happen to have the Pixel 4 in my pocket, but the battery was dead. But I had the Pixel 1, took a picture, and I'll be darned, it's really, really beautiful. And it took a raw shot as well. So I don't know. Uh, I The fact that uh, my Pixel 1 is still very much intact, it's not broken, it's not anything like that, uh, and it's still serving my needs means that maybe I'm going to wait until the fall and see what the Pixel 5 is like. Now, that's this is going to become more urgent because I, I thought that uh, Android 11, excuse me, Android 10 was not going to come to the Pixel 1 uh, because it wasn't promised. This was just an extra bonus. We, get to, we got to take a victory lap with uh, Android uh, major OS updates. Uh, so it's going to become, I think, more urgent for me to have a phone that could run Android 11 now. Uh, but I got to say that I'm doing just fine without it. So, oh, well. Well, uh, we'll be back with uh, reviews about the Galaxy S20 Ultra. Nah, not a great set of reviews uh, after this next message. This episode of Material is brought to you by Linode. Whether you're working on a personal project or managing your enterprise's infrastructure, Linode has the pricing, support, and scale that you need to take your project to the next level. They have 11 data centers worldwide, including their newest data center in Sydney, Australia, and with their enterprise-grade hardware, S3-compatible storage option, and their next-generation network, Linode delivers the performance you expect at a surprisingly good price. Get started on Linode today with a $20 credit for listeners of this show, and you'll get access to native SSD storage, a 40-gigabit network, and industry-leading processors. Root access to your server along with API version 4 and Python command line interface, a revamped cloud manager built on an open source single page app, and block storage and object storage that can scale to your storage requirements. All of this and more. 
Go to Linode.com slash material and use promo code material2020 when creating a new Linode account, and you'll get a $20 credit towards your next project. And Linode are hiring right now. So if that's something that interests you, go to Linode.com slash careers to find out more. Once again, that's Linode.com slash material and the promo code material2020 for that $20 credit. Our thanks to Linode for the support of this show and all of Relay FM. Now, I don't know how deeply into Schadenfreude we all are collectively, uh, people who make this show and people who listen to this show. Uh, suffice to say that uh, I uh, I look at the demos and the product launch of a phone like the Galaxy S20 Ultra from Samsung. I admire many things about it. I, however, totally understand that uh, I am never going to be able to justify the expense of a $1,400 phone. Let us over-enunciate that a second time. A $1,400 phone. I have paid less money for cars. Uh, okay, granted, they're really crappy cars, but still, I they were they passed inspection. I could get insurance for it. That's 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 significant in my in my in my idea. So uh, I, I don't I don't necessarily envy the people or uh, uh, object to people buying that or think less of them. Uh, but again, Schadenfreude is taking pleasure in the misfortune of others, and so. If if you were really, really lusting after this phone for a lot of reasons that are lustworthy and you wish you could justify the $1,400 but you couldn't, you, you can at least bear a little bit of illicit pleasure in knowing that uh, the reviews of the Galaxy S20 Ultra are out and they're not great. They're pretty consistent on two different levels. Uh, the Verge had a, had a really good review by Dieter Bonn. Uh, and uh, settles on one of the biggest issues that's affecting most of the reviewers' experiences, uh, which is the camera. And remember that the flagship feature of this flagship camera was its camera system, that it's got a immense t- telephotos, uh, telephoto lens as part of its lens array. It's using prismatic, like a periscopic sort of, periscopic sort of arrangement. Uh, so we're going to use this big sensor and, uh, and have this big focal length uh, in, inside there. And oh my God, you can get 8K video and 108 megapixel pictures and digital zoom because of that 180 megapixel sensor uh, t- picture. Thank you. Up to 100 time zoom uh, and it's uh, not really great uh, it's a uh, uh, i'm going to quote uh, Dieter from his review uh samsung called this phone the s20 instead of the s11 to indicate that it is the first of a new generation and that might be too revealing as impressive as the overall phone is the camera often acts like a first gen tech product with first gen tech problems so he starts off with a uh, for me, what would be a real deal breaker? Uh, the autofocus system. Uh, he mentioned that when it's working, it's really, really slow. It takes like a half a second or, or more uh, to lock focus. And the worst thing is that it tends to hunt, which means that uh, you can't help but move the move the camera because you're you're holding it and you're a human being and you're not a uh, you're not a human tripod. Uh, and so it's as you move the camera, it tends to lose focus lock and have to regain it. So maintaining focus is a problem. So uh, it causes two really really horrible situations. Uh, the second one, the least of, of them, is uh, is video. Because, of course, with video, you were trying to track a moving subject with your hands. And so 
this problem at its worst can create a situation where videos are never in proper focus or if they're in proper focus, it's very, very laggy, but that's okay. Cause I don't, I don't, I, I'm talking selfishly. I don't use video that much anyway. Uh, the thing that really made my blood go cold is when he was demonstrating that even like with the selfie camera, uh, it was taking blurry selfies because it might've been in focus the first time, but then like, of course his hand moved a little bit that lost focus, but at the, t- the, the movement of his hand to, I'm, I'm, in, uh, I'm uh, interpreting uh, to touch the, the, the shutter button was enough for it to lose focus. And then it clicked the shutter before it regained focus. And my blood went cold because one of my little internal definitions of ex- expectations of reliability is what I call the George Lucas selfie test. Now, as you can imagine, George Lucas is a figure that I hold very special reverence for. You might even say that there is a George Lucas-shaped hole in my soul that fits. he fits exactly into. He spackles that hole. I did not know that hole existed until George Lucas came along with his library of movies and said, oh, that was supposed to be in there all along. And so uh, he's also my definition of the one famous person that I've ever met, I would just totally lose it. So, so I'm so intimidated by what I would do, all the safeties in my brain that would just fail like a runaway train that I might even consider, even if someone said, hey, we're uh, having a dinner party and uh, George Lucas is like a friend of one of the other guests and he's going to come by after dinner and we're going to play Pictionary. I might even have to say, oh, I, then I can't come because I feel as though I would, uh, this, uh, I, I, every, I, I've, 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 uh, I've, tried out this scenario in my head a million different times it always ends with me throwing myself on the floor wrapping my arms around his ankles and saying i love you mr lucas please don't go i love you mr lucas and i'm not sure if i can handle the rest of my life knowing that that is something that i actually did uh but let's get back to testing cameras so I have this hypothetical in my mind that I get a chance to get a selfie with George Lucas. Like, again, I'm walk, I happen to walk around San Francisco. There's George Lucas. He doesn't seem to be – it's a social situation where it seems as though I can do the minimum that I would absolutely want to do, which at least say I'm yet another person who just is so happy that you did all the work you did because it gave me so much joy and in many cases inspiration uh, in my life. So thank you for doing what you're doing. And then if it seemed as though he was receptive to a selfie, boom, I'd, I'd definitely take the selfie. Let's say that, let's say that that happened. And let's say I did not wind up throwing myself to the ground, wrapping my arms around my ankles. Uh, because of the social situation, I, I'd be grateful enough that this person has stopped for a selfie with me. I would not want to repay his kindness by saying, by the way, and you're going to stick right here while I take a look at the pictures that I just took to make sure that they're in focus and we're in frame and everything is good. I would take the selfie and then send him on his way. Say, thank you so much. I don't want to delay you any longer. You're very generous. If I then like after he walked away and after I had washed the, you know, changed into fresh pants (laughs) that was not quite so pea soaked and check the, and check the picture. If I found out that, the focus did wander and it was a blurry picture. I would be so livid. Okay. I would, because uh, if it, if it got the exposure wrong, you can fix exposure. If the white balance was wrong, you can fix white balance. There is no solution for focus. And I'd be telling people for the rest of my life. I got, I, I met George Lucas and told him how much I love his work. I would like to have a picture uh, to show, to, 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 to illustrate this story. And yes, admittedly to perhaps have a, 36 but 36 by 48 inch print blown up mounted on canvas and put 
in a place uh, in my living room where nobody can possibly avoid seeing it, particularly with all the lighting system I would be hanging around it. I would be so livid that um, I've, I would have to reevaluate my commitment to being a fair journalist and a fair tech reviewer because if this were a Samsung phone, I would go out of my way to just the, I, I would, I, I guess the best I could hope to do, I, 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 I am, I have to be fair about my self-assessment here. I feel as though I could review the galaxy S 21, whatever, uh, fairly and honestly, but I would have to start the review and end the review with three paragraphs of the most green, vicious bile of hatred towards not only that, but Sam, the bartender from, from cheers, you know, Sam Kinison, Sam Adams, Patriot and Brewer. I would not be able to see that sequence of letters even without just reliving that moment that I was, I'm not going to get this chance ever again. And I'm not going to, I don't have a picture of myself with it. Would be, I would have, I would have instructions. You know how we were talking earlier about uh, that emergency app uh, for, for pixel where your emergency information is. I would want to, I would have like a link as part of that data that that comes up, you know, that first responders and other people without unlocking your phone can get to, I would have like a link or even the picture itself. So that if God forbid I should perish after being hit by that bus or whatever, or being in a kangaroo rollover accident, whatever it is, uh, this picture I want when you when you uh, when like the local news and the local uh, local TV wants a picture of the tragic victim I want this picture of me and George Lucas that's uh, people will be so impressed by me and or the right kind of people will say oh my god what kind of a wonderful person did we lose someone who had an opportunity to meet George Lucas in any way shape or form that's that's how big this picture would be so the fact that it it can't focus so the s20 uh, the fact that the, the S20 Ultra can't can't focus reliably, that's considerably more than a minor problem. Um, and uh, it goes further than that. A lot of other reviewers, including Dieter, was talking about how aggressive the face softening is. That it, it tries way, way too hard to take a good to Photoshop on device uh, any picture of a human face. Uh, it's uh, does that stupid like watery sort of face softening sort of thing uh, and also brightens the shadows to like make sure that you don't look like you're you just woke up uh, and not only that but it also is screwing up the white balance and you can't turn those features off and that's the most annoying thing I don't I can't remember if I've if I said this before in this show because believe it or not this segment <laughs> to the the my recording app screwed up so I'm recording it all over again but I will reamplify then that the thing that annoys me the most about technology is when it tries to help you with an automated like uh, decision making system that you can't then override or say, "Hey, that you made the wrong decision. Please do nothing and let me make the decisions for you." Uh, so, uh, Dieter uh, tested this pretty thoroughly and noted that uh, even it, uh, it's not a problem with the cameras themselves, the, the actual hardware. That if you switch the camera app to Pro mode which turns off all that sort of stuff, just it, it works more like a traditional camera. It takes really lovely uh, pictures of human faces. So this is the sort of stuff that they could certainly improve. Uh, and uh, actually Samsung did release, this is a common enough complaint amongst reviewers that uh, Samsung released a statement, which I will now quote using an ironic voice, uh, sarcastic voice. The Galaxy S20 features a groundbreaking advanced camera system. We are constantly working to optimize performance to deliver the best experience for consumers. 
As part of this ongoing effort, we are working on a future update to improve the camera experience. Which, okay, good. So it makes you think that there's going to be an update. But they didn't say that, okay, well, clearly it's underperforming and we're going to fix that. It's like they're, it's it's as if all the reviews were like, oh my God, this is the best camera ever. This is amazing. This is, uh, never have photons been treated so luxuriously by a phone before. They would say, and you know what? We're going to make the camera even better. So sky's the limit. Rockets ship to the Mars. It's no, okay. But at least they're at least they're going to be trying to fix it, um, but that's not that's not the only problems that people are people are finding. So uh, this 108 megapixel pictures uh, that it takes. Now we know that that's a that's a trick. So it's definitely doing uh, pixel bidding. That's where it uh, takes a, it, it's like a smaller. It's a more traditional sensor, but it uses uh, elfin magic to try to calculate what pixels between the real pixels would be if they existed um the true optical uh telephoto is four times 4x so that's what the actual like lens array is giving you um Dieter uh, uh, Dieter reports that 4x is great even 10x optical zoom which is using again el- onboard elfin magic to make that happen is great uh but they're promising a hundred times zoom and it's garbage uh, it's mainly a gimmick. Uh, he says, and I quote, it's good mainly as a party trick. And I think he's also including the 108 megapixel photos <laughs> that it takes uh, as a, just, just a gimmick, just a party trick. Uh, so he, uh, side by side by side, that even, even like a regular, like iPhone 11, even a regular pixel four at lower quote, lower resolution is taking much better pictures than the 108 megapixel, uh, photo mode on the Samsung. So even when you take this huge picture and then scrunch it down, the, you, you zoom in on detail and the detail just isn't there on these hundred megapixel pictures, which is frankly, it's a very Samsung sort of approach. Uh, to life. Uh, I think I even mentioned this when Flo and I were talking about this, when the S20 Ultra uh, was uh, was uh, announced and released, that uh, I expect from Samsung a lot of these features to be really good demos. And they're there to make sure that the uh, that the, the promotional literature has lots of really uh, uh, high numbers on them and has really uh, enchanting sort of features on them. And I kind of expect that anything that kind of gets my attention is probably going to be something that nobody is going to uh, want to use after the first couple of weeks. After they after you perform the party trick, you've seen that trick before, but it's not a practical thing you actually want to use. Uh, now, it's not that all of the reviews of the camera were, were bad. Uh, they're, also, they're talking about how... Uh, uh, Dieter didn't didn't think that the light perform low light performance was as good as the uh, low light modes on a uh, on a iPhone or a, or a Pixel phone. Um, however, uh, the uh, Sam Rutherford of Gizmodo had really good experiences in low light situations, and actually citing the higher resolution stuff that the, the pixel bidding that it was doing to be able to get more detail. Though even he mentioned that the white balance was kind of off compared to what you were getting on uh, the other phones. Uh, but the actually probably the the bigger uh, the bigger problem, and this is one that was really kind of in agreement by pretty much everybody, is that this is a fourteen hundred dollar phone, and it, it doesn't have like a folding screen. It doesn't have like a little uh, drone robot that covers around your, your 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 head and tells you how good your hair looks today. Uh, it's just a really super expensive phone. And at $1,400, it just doesn't seem to justify the price. And I should mention that 
at fourteen the fourteen hundred dollar model, that's the that's the car that comes with no air conditioning and the factory stereo. So that's that's the that's the amount of money you pay just to get into the room, and it goes up from there. Uh, and I think this is going to be a very significant problem for uh, any company that's trying to create ultra premium phones like this. Um, you can create something that is just absolutely one hundred percent compelling, and people will say, "I don't even care that this folding mechanism requires a little more TLC than a regular phone." I just love the design of this, and I'm willing to spend an extra four or five hundred dollars over the cost of a conventional, really good flagship thousand dollar phone for this. When it's just it's just a phone, and you find that you, you feel as though you're spending all this extra money for gimmicks that don't really deliver what they're promising. Uh, that's a, that's a hard way of getting through life, son. And uh, I will say one thing: that it has a five thousand milliamp hour battery. All the reviewers were praising it. That uh, despite the fact that it has uh, 128, 128 uh, megahertz f- frame rate uh, as an option, despite the fact that it has five G, despite the fact that it has a super good processor, that it's not necessarily the most efficient at managing five G. Uh, they were routinely getting more than a day's worth of battery life out of it, and in some cases, more than a couple of days if you're using it more conservatively. That really is if if you're going to charge me above a thousand dollars for a phone, you can keep the the super extra uh, higher megapixel camera. You can keep the stylus. You can keep the folding screen. If you just charge me an extra two hundred dollars to simply swap out uh, same assembly line but instead of snapping the regular glass back on it you snap on like a back that's a few millimeters thicker and you throw in a 5000 milliamp hour battery something that's half again or even twice uh, the capacity of what the standard one is i would spend $1300 for a phone there because i have never had to i don't judge a phone by its daily experience i have to judge its battery life by the extremes because that's when battery life really that's that's when the rubber meets the road uh, and i've never been in a situation where i'm in sort of an intense uh, phone day the sort of thing where i leave the house at 7 30 board a three and a half hour train i'm using my wi-fi hotspot on the uh, on the on the three and a half hour train trip and then i'm in the city and i'm using google maps all the time and location all the time and i'm not going to be uh, in my hotel until like 10 or 11 uh, I have never had a situation where I didn't have to recharge the battery at least once and maybe even twice by the end of the day. That's that's my that's my pain point and I wish that that was more of a priority uh, for for more uh, for more makers. So good luck to them. It's uh, it's fine. I'm glad their folding phone is getting uh uh reserved but po- but largely positive reviews. Uh but really I think the other S20 models are going to be the 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 butter zone for this phone. Now, in greater optimism, uh, let's talk about a phone that I'm really excited about. I can't wait to actually see. It's coming up in the fall. It's Microsoft's Surface Duo phone. Uh, this is the uh, earlier they announced a really an entirely new platform uh, of Surface devices where it's a folding screen, but just tradition. You get two traditional uh, flat screens uh, unfold that are separated by uh, by a simple hinge like a laptop. Only instead of keyboard and screen, you get a screen and a screen. And uh, they're making a Surface Duo model, which is a pocket-sized device that runs Android. It's a phone as well, but it's such a new form form, form factor that I'm kind of hesitant to call it a phone because kind of like the same reason why when Steve Jobs introduced the iPad, he didn't want to call it a, a laptop because, or even a regular computer because that creates expectations that maybe are not 
applicable to this entirely new form factor. Uh, and there's also the Surface Neo, which is larger, about the size of a comic book, and will run a new flavor of Windows called Windows 10X, and will be more of something close. It'll be a brand new experience, but it will probably be closer to like a notebook experience in terms of uh, the the breadth and depth of uh, productivity uh, and entertainment that you can experience with it. Uh, so uh, we still don't know very much about it. Uh, Mike, we're going to probably going to know more about how these devices work and how apps work on them uh, at uh, the Microsoft Developer Conference in May, assuming that it actually happens. Uh, note previous segment. But uh, th- there was a new video that was posted by a user on Twitter uh, that showed off one feature that we hadn't seen before, uh, which is the, the, their, its peak feature for the Surface Duo. Now, uh, it doesn't the, the, the Surface Duo hardware that Microsoft showed off uh, when they first took the wraps off of it, it doesn't seem to have an external display of any kind, like an OLED display uh, like the uh, Samsung uh, Fold Z has. Uh, so if a call comes in, or if you you know you just got a notification, you do have to take it out of your pocket and unfold it. Just you know, open it like a book to actually see that notification to expose one of the screens, uh, both of the screens. Now the peak feature, however, realizes that this is something you're probably going to be doing very often. So instead of forcing you to uh, to open up uh, open up fully, if you just sort of you know just open it by like twenty or thirty degrees. Uh, it will sense that you're just sort of peeking at the at, at one of the screens, and it will put like on the just on the margin of the outer edge of that bottom screen, like a bookmark, a vertical sort of arrangement. It will show you the notification, or if a call is coming in, it will show you here's who the caller is, uh, and then uh, and then if you if if you, if you saw something that merits actually uh, using the device, and you open up the entire phone, then you, you will actually uh, accept the phone call. Uh, or it will open it up into whatever the messaging app was that cr- that created that notification. And the cool thing is that if it is a caller that you don't want to talk to, you just snap it up, and it will simply reject the call. Now, this doesn't sound like a, a titanically amazing uh, advance in anything, but it does show how well it seems that Microsoft is thinking about what this brand new form factor implies, how people are going to use it, and also what the what the annoyances could be if they just simply do a cut, copy, and paste, put Android on this dual-screen device and hope that whatever uh, new developer support Google adds for dual-screen devices will make this a better experience. I like everything I've seen about this so far. And I'm still, still plenty, there's still plenty of time for Microsoft to deeply, deeply, deeply disappoint me. Uh, but, uh, boy, I love to be excited about this stuff. This is why I love being a tech, a tech journalist. Now, to be fair, I'm still kind of... I'm still kind of wrestling with the question of who's going to want to have the Surface Duo as opposed to the Surface Neo, the version that runs Windows 10X. Because for me, I don't necessarily uh, – the the screen even on, my, uh, even on my Pixel 1 is big enough. It's good enough for what I want to use a phone for. Uh, I don't necessarily if – I, if I have two screens separated by a hinge – I think that the things that will make that a wonderful experience for me are more akin to what I would get from the Surface Neo, uh, both by the fact that it would be two big screens, like it really would be like having uh, a hardcover book with me. Uh, the idea of just the number of times where I'm going through my inbox and I have to respond to something 
uh, and uh, so I want to have my email like on the left-hand page and a web browser on the right-hand page, or just I'm taking notes on what I'm reading on the web. So I can just I need to drag text from one to the other. I could really totally see that me getting into that on the on the Surface Neo size device, and also the sort of heavier productivity apps that you would assume are going to be written for Windows 10X that maybe are not going to be written for that context of that small device that runs Android. So I can see myself buying a, a Neo. I can't necessarily see me buying a Duo. And one of the big reasons is that I also can't see Microsoft putting uh, an iPhone 11 or uh, and, uh, excuse me, or Pixel 4 grade uh, camera into this device. And uh, I, I am the sort of person who does well with, uh, again, I need, this to, I need this phone to do exactly what I want to do. I will spend as much as $1,000 for it if I have to. But if I find that the $800 phones that are being made these days are doing just fine. Even the uh, uh, the Pixel 1 that I still have is still doing fine. That's why I'm probably not going to buy a, a Pixel 4 or 4a. I'm probably going to wait for the Pixel 5. So, but uh, And mostly it's because it's good enough. It's, it's uh, big enough. The screen is good enough. has enough storage. And the camera is really, really good. I'm not willing to compromise that. So we'll have to hold out and see how that actually turns out. But I'm so glad to, that some of these features are, are, are kind of squeaking out. Uh, can't wait to until May to see uh, what happens. This, uh, May it would be, I haven't checked to see what the timing of Google I.O. Uh, and Microsoft's developer conference is uh, because um, – Either way, obviously, obviously, they're not. Neither of these companies are producing their work inside a vacuum. So uh, once we see the duo, we will see a a, a, a more in depth look at how Android uh, 11 will support dual screen and weird screen configurations and vice versa. Once we see what uh, Google is supporting, we will see how uh, developers might approach the idea of, uh, of supporting a device like the Surface Duo. So that's why May, May is always fun. May is, is always interesting. Speculation becomes promises. <laughs> and promises aren't always delivered upon, but at least they're, uh, they're uh, unobjectively wrong by uh, by failure to deliver as opposed to just wishful thinking on the part of commentators like myself before we go everybody i want to let you know about a rabbit hole that i kind of got sucked into and it's very very much uh kugel related this morning uh where so i'm 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 in bed i'm on twitter i noticed that uh google doodle google doodle is 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 trending on twitter and my my immediate thought is, oh, cool! There must be like a really cool like game or animation or something. Uh, so I immediately I don't even click on the hashtag. I just go to uh, Google.com and I see, okay, it looks like uh, one of uh, Sir John Tennille's original illustrations for Alice in Wonderland. Uh, there's the uh, picture of uh, Alice and the uh, on the ground looking up at the Cheshire Cat in a uh, up in a tree. The Google logo in again in sort of like pen and ink sort of drawing is there and Alice is taking the part of the L I click on it thinking that maybe it'll be like an animation. No, it's, is there buttons on it to make it look like it'll be a game or music, or like a mathematical puzzle? No, like, okay. Yeah. I wonder why it's, it's trending then. Uh, by the way, it is uh, Sir John Tennille's 200th birthday. That's the reason why it's, it's there. So, okay. So I click on the, the, the hashtag link, uh, trending topics in Twitter. And the first thing I see is, uh, a tweet by someone who's like, oh my God, like, because it, it, it looks like it's G-O-O-G-E. Like, oh my God, I can't believe that they like put that word in the Google. Do you believe it? Uh, and 
I'm like blink, 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 blink. And I, I realize this might be the the, the generation gap <laughs> between that makes communication between the generations both above you and below you sometimes strained and difficult. Uh, and suddenly I think, oh, does G O O G E mean something like naughty to the youths of America? You the youths of the word world? Like uh, okay, so I go to UrbanDictionary.com. Uh, which is, of course, the first refuge of people who are not 21 years old or 17 years old who want to know, you know, <laughs> what the youths are talking about. Uh, and so what you're looking for is uh, a, a, it's a user-contributed dictionary, so anybody can contribute. What I'm, hoping to, what I'm hoping to find is multiple people who gave similar definitions of G-O-O-G-E, which would tell me exactly why this person I thought was so funny. And there were a bunch of really, really naughty definitions of it, but they were defining different naughty things. So it made me think that either these were incredibly like regional uh, slang words that didn't have any larger meaning, or this was just people who were bored who thought, well, actually, that's uh, I, I came across the sequence of letters, and it sounds like it could mean this, like they're playing, I don't know, categories, whatever that game is. Uh, so, so of course, I start googling. Uh, and so, uh, after telling, correcting Google and saying, no, 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 I really, I'm not, I'm not doing a Google search for Google. Please do a search on G O O G E. Um, that wasn't really very helpful there. Uh, most, uh, I, I checked uh, actually, actually the second place I searched was Reddit because Reddit is if I, whenever I want to see what conversation is across a whole bunch of different communities, uh, I, I do, I, I use Reddit and almost all of the uses of G O O G E were just people misspelling Google. And so, okay, that's not helpful. Uh, so I do a general, uh, general search. Uh, I turned up a article from, uh, from the verge, uh, from a couple of years ago. Uh, there was a woman named Sue Googe, and now, if it really does mean something absolutely offensive and awful, I can get I'm getting away with it because I'm referring to an actual woman's name here. So Sue Googe was a uh, 2016 Republican candidate uh, running for a seat in the United States Congress representing the fourth congressional district of North Carolina. I uh, didn't do a follow up. I don't know if she won or not. But the the the, the point the reason why they were being covered by she was being covered by the Verge was that uh, she copied the Google logo for her lawn signs. It says Sue. Googe. And Sue isn't sort of a generic, you get it free, pre-installed on your computer, uh, sans serif font. But Googe looked like she, whoever it was, just took the Google font, uh, monochrome, uh, monochrome, just white on black text, uh, background version of it, and just, you know, did deleted some things and slid things around. It looks like the exact same lettering. Um, and so uh, The Verge, of course, has a, has a really, like a full Dealey Plaza, JFK-style breakdown uh, entitled uh, the article inevitably will Google Sue Googe, uh, and the link to that will be on the show notes. But okay, so it's probably not that. Uh, so I go to Wikipedia and I find out that there is a Debbie Googe who is a bass player for my a band called My Bloody Valentine, which made me think made me think I think that's a band that I've heard of but never actually listened to. So I went to Google Play Music and started like listen to like a couple sections of a couple of tracks. Oh, that's that's good. So I added a couple albums to the uh, to my library. I'll, I'll I'll check them out in full later on. But okay, it's definitely not uh, definitely not uh, definitely not Debbie Googe. Uh, uh, doing some more searching, I found. A reference to talk about Valentine's, uh, Valentine's Day 2007. On Valentine's Day 2007, the Google Doodle was not uh, unlike 
the not, not, not like today's Google Doodle in form. It was the Google logo, but the uh, the G and the L was replaced with a strawberry dipped in chocolate. And so you could, it was, the G was definitely there visually because you had the, the, the mass of the strawberry and the like trick, like uh, leaking chocolate drizzles of chocolate on the table formed like the curly Q of the the tail of the G. Now there was a stem that was kind of elongated that I suppose could stand in for the L, but it didn't really look like an L. It really did look like G O O G E. And somebody on uh, dig, I think was, uh, talk about this saying gee what what a weird like is is there g-o-o-g-e not even connotating it with anything uh, anything uh, anything nasty and of course and somebody replied oh well maybe it's like a they're very they were going you know deep catalog with this uh they say because they mentioned that there is a uh, a poet uh named Googe, uh, Barnaby Googe, who uh, was born in 1540, uh, died in 1594. Not exactly a contemporary fellow, but he was known for his love poems. So maybe, now this maybe there was uh, a little tip of the hat, like a little Easter egg on Valentine's Day for people who know about 16th century romantic poets, or maybe whoever approved this saw things, saw thought the G and the L were more pronounced. Okay, whatever. Okay. So I wind up like saying, okay, let's find out a little bit more about, uh, about Barnaby Googe, uh, <laughs> cartoon character. I don't know. So it could be, could be a Pixar character, like a minor character, like one of the, uh, cast of anyway. Uh, so, uh, uh the, uh, yeah. So we, he, uh, according, according, according to the Wikipedia, uh, not only known for his love poetry, but also a innovator, accidental pioneer uh, claims, uh, I'm, Quoting again this masterful source, Google, uh, Wikipedia, saying during his absence in Spain, Googe's ju- uh, Gu- juvenile poems were sent to the printer by a friend, Lawrence Blundiston. On his return, Googe learned of Blundiston's actions and reluctantly gave his consent to their publication when he discovered that the printer had already paid for the paper at the print run and the composition was underway. Now, this, this this is all I need to know about Mr. Gooch. He is a bro in every positive sense of the word. Like it, it, sometimes, sometimes he, you got to be a bro, meaning that no, you didn't want, you didn't intend, you wrote this poetry, you didn't intend for it to be published, but someone he shouldn't have done it, but he did it. And now, if you take away your, if you stop this from happening, this printer is going to be in for like the cost of the paper. It's going to be a big, big bummer for them. I'm going to be a bro and I'm going to let this happen, even though I didn't intend this to happen. Now, this is pretty, uh, pretty cool. Uh, the book appeared in 1563 as Iglog's Epitaphs and Sonnets. You can imagine the spelling of these words, 1563, uh, with a dedication to William Lovelace. Before the appearance of this book, no writer in England had ever published his own poetry under his own name. In this, Googe was an accidental pioneer. So then I headed on to allpoetry.com, like you do. And, uh, and one of the poems uh, actually was pretty cool. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to uh, read it for you now, non sarcastically. It's called "Out of Sight, Out of Mind." The oftener seen, the more I lust. The more I lust, the more I smart. The more I smart, the more I trust. The more I trust, the heavier heart. The heavy heart he breeds mine unrest. Thy absence, therefore, like I best. The rarer seen, the less in mind. The less in mind, the lesser pain. 
The lesser pain, less grief I find. The lesser grief, the, ga- the greater gain. The greater grain, gain the merrier I. The further off, the more I joy. The more I joy, the happier life. The happier life, less hurts annoy. The lesser hurts, the pleasure most rife. Such pleasures rife shall I obtain when distance doth depart as twain. So again, he's meaning, he's saying that, you know, I miss you so much that I actually would rather not see pictures of you and think of you because every time I think of you, I have a heavy heart and I'm heartbroken. And only when you return will I be non-heartbroken again. So please, I hope that I never think of you until I get to see you again. Which is, which is not only really, really lovely sentiment, but it's also a very, uh, very male <laughs> stereotypically male sentiment that I don't want to experience pain or acknowledge that I'm hurting. I just want to like, when you're not here, I just want to pretend that like, I'm not feeling anything because that's the only way I can deal with things. So not much separates 16th century man from 21st century man. I'm not being sexist, but I'm being sexist based on my own experiences here. So, um, so I, now after I, after I was reading this and a couple of other, of, uh, of the man's poems, um, Obviously, I hadn't gotten any closer to an answer to why this, why uh, Google Doodle is trending, and why that user thought that G O O G E was such a funny thing for Google to put inside a Doodle. And so I'm about to like click back into Twitter to read more of these tweets to see if someone's going to shed some light on this. But then I realized that over the past like five or ten minutes, uh, I have learned about uh, this. Uh, I've, I've learned about this uh, this new band, Bloody Valentine. My Bloody Valentine released new to me that had a couple tracks that were nice. And, I thought nice enough enough that I wanted to listen to in their in their complexity, in their completeness. Again, later on, uh, discovered this uh, th- again that I bro from history, Barnaby Googe, and read some really really cool poetry. It's, this had left left me like in a lovely little cloud of happiness that I've. I've been I've been immersing myself myself in the arts. I was feeling pretty good about myself, and I realized that this would be totally destroyed if I found out that G O O G E means something horrifically nasty. Uh, and I decided to just leave it be. You know, uh, I'm going to make a request of all of you that uh, you can all uh, you have we we tell you how to get in touch with us usually by uh, usually over Twitter. Uh, flow is oh that flow. I am Anatko. Try spelling that. Now I want you to, but I want, and maybe you know what this word means. And uh, but I want you to imagine me in a rowboat, like hand-hewed, like beautiful, like wooden wooden rowboat, on a mirror glass tranquil uh, pond, like at sunrise or sunset, where the ducks are bobbing and toing and froing. They're little woodland creatures at the at the shores, gambolling and romping and playing and flicking their bushy little tails and all is pleasant and all is right with the world. Now, I want you to imagine like you uh, and this piece of information that you have is like one of those corkscrew uh, drills and you're like in scuba deer gear and you're about to use this drill to poke holes in that rowboat. And I'm just going to ask you not to poke holes in my robot because I'm I'm in such a good mood right now. I don't want to be, I, I don't want to be replaced with uh, 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 people do that to each other. Uh, how? But mechanically, how does that? No, no, no. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. So yeah, just just let, let's just take the win. Let's just take the win and go home with it. Uh, <laughs> uh, the the Google Doodles the Google Doodle site 
Uh, also had a preview of – also has Tomorrow's Doodle on it. Tomorrow is Leap Day that I'm recording on February 28th. And so it's they have the Google lo- logo uh, and the letters just leaping up and down, jumping up and down. They do have this – they do have the second G and the L like actually written out. So we're not going to have any, uh, any, any mysteries about that. I was kind of disappointed though because I can't remember whether it was the last Leap Day or the one before where the uh, show 30 Rock, the episode was, uh, was airing on a Leap Day. Uh, so they – invented this character like Santa Claus for Christmas, like the Easter Bunny for Easter, uh, called Leap Day William, who lives in the Mariana Trench and trades candy for children's tears. And he wears a blue suit and has his handlebar mustache and a bowler hat and he's bald. And I, again, this this would be sort of a deep catalog thing, but I kind of would hope that they would like go with go with Leap Day William. You know, that would, that, that would that would be very, very nice. I would I would enjoy that. I don't know if anyone from Google is listening and they have time to Put a new, uh, put a new uh, doodle in play for tomorrow. If not, you've got four years to work on the next one. That's okay. I understand. I probably should have gotten in touch sooner. But again, you got a good four years for the next one, and I'm hoping to see that if if humanity is still alive by then. If not, do whatever you want. That's fine. Uh, so hope you guys have a really good uh, leap day yourself. This is this is a good day to like say, gee, I've been given this extra day by virtue of the fact that humanity is a fickle and foolish creature that must measure time in a, in a strictly linear fashion. Uh, but so it is, this is the system we're stuck with and it's given us another day. Uh, I'm spending the day uh, at the movies and then I'm going to go to a Korean restaurant near the movie theater and get uh, bibimbap, like stone pot, uh, <laughs> stone pot dinner, uh, delicious stuff, particularly if it's really, really cold. It's going to be cold enough outside. That I'm going to really appreciate it. So I hope you uh, have a good leap day yourself. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, once again, send some nice words to uh, Oh That Flow uh, on Twitter because uh, we all miss her. We can't wait for her to come back. Uh, you can message me on Twitter or rather tweet at me and I'll find it at uh, at Anatko. Uh, we also are at at Material Podcast. If you go to relay.fm material, you'll see the show notes for this show with all the links. You'll also have an opportunity if you if you are so inclined to uh, become a subscriber or rather a member of the Material Podcast and uh, Relay FM. We are so grateful to everybody just for uh, giving us some of your time and attention uh, every week that you have time and attention to, to spare for us. Uh, but extra money is also really good. Money is everyone loves money. That's why they call it money. That's what David Mamet wrote in the film heist <laughs> that Danny and they gave that line to Danny DeVito. So he really, really made a meal of it. It was really, really wonderful. Well, that's going to be it for us for this week. Thank you so much for listening to the show this week. We hope you listen to it again next week. Until then, everybody have a fantastic seven days.